Welcome to the Here Be Dragons podcast. My name is Brett Landry. I'm here with Jake Lefave today and introducing to you for the very first time, Doug Crystal, who is the new director of biblical counseling at Christ City Church. Doug, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, fantastic to have you join our staff team in this role. Um, you've been around Christ City for a few years now, mm -hmm. uh, part of the body of Christ City Kitsilano, mm -hmm. one of the elders in training there. And uh, yeah, such a joy to be able to welcome you. You've done the the hard work of uh, a life of learning and then a life of learning that led to accreditation through mm -hmm. biblical counseling. And our goal today really is just to have an introductory conversation about what this is, what mm -hmm. it's all about, why do we need this in the body of the church at large, not just our, our church, but even beyond, mm -hmm. and uh, what that might look like. Doug, I think we can start just by asking a simple question, if mm -hmm. that's okay with you. W what is biblical counseling for the person listening right now who has no framework, no understanding of, of biblical counseling? Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Um, uh, sorry, in simple terms, um, biblical counseling is counsel from the Bible. Uh, for those who are wrestling with sin, who are suffering or experiencing other difficulties in life, and they desire God's wisdom and guidance and direction and help. And um, I mean, that's the sort of definition. Um, I, I like to, to speak of it as um, it's a time of focused, restorative discipleship mm. um, that highlights the application of God's word in dealing with the struggles of life. I think how we talked about it around here, Brett, and you can piggyback on this, is we think of the discipleship, you know, I, I think pizza pie, other mm -hmm. people think like apple pie or blueberry pie, I think pizza pie, and it's one slice, as we've talked about it, Doug, yeah. on that sort of discipleship pie, if you will, one component of what it means to flourish in Christ as a follower of, of Jesus. Is that a fair uh, understanding? Absolutely, yeah. If you think of discipleship as a pie, um, so biblical counseling is like a wedge of that pie. Um, again, to, to use those words, it's a time of focused, restorative discipleship. Uh, where the counselor walks alongside the counselee and uh, strives to help them see their situation and the path out of their situation from a biblical perspective. Yeah, counsel from the Bible is such a helpful way to talk about biblical counseling. It's, it's actually like counsel in your life, in a particular area of your life, with particular reasons that you may be aware of or may not be aware of, that you need to have a conversation around this, and surfacing those with somebody who is trained, equipped, and then released into that ministry to be able to walk alongside that person who's going through those particular problems. That's mm -hmm. that's what you're talking about. And, yeah. and it is a, it's a beautiful complement to the other things that we do. And so if you start from kind of the, the, the more public to the more private in terms of, you know, one-on-one -on -one discipleship or one-on-group, mm -hmm. -on you know, we have Sundays where we gather together for worship, word, and sacrament. Uh, we have our conversations that go on on Sundays that are maybe a little more brief. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're not impactful. But there's, you know, taking time to pray on Sundays with one another. There's people who always have uh, time of prayer available to anybody who wants that one-on-one. -on -one, and we can move into that. That's not really the place for biblical counsel. That's the place to just bring your needs before God, offer them up. And then we have, you know, things like community groups where uh -huh. there's people who are walking together in life-on-life -life relationships, walking as disciples of Jesus, moving toward him together in a journey of discipleship. There's community group leaders who are giving some leadership and structure to a group, and then there's people of varying maturities walking together in that way, and those life-on-life -life kind of connections they have are bringing them to a place of Christian health. Mm -hmm. And then what I've found over the years is that most people who are in community groups have most of their needs met in that way, and when the community group leader now doesn't know what to do about something that's going on in someone's life, mm -hmm. then they call for some pastoral care. Yep. Call for pastoral care, one of us gets involved, 
talking about the issues, sitting down, maybe, you know, booking a series of meetings from a week to week or whatever that might look like. And my own sense of this, and none of Jake can speak to this because uh, he's better at this than I am. My own sense of this is that I'm not a great counselor. Uh, I can share what the scriptures say. I can share from some personal experience. I'm not trained as a counselor. I'm not, I don't really think primarily gifted as a counselor. And what I've done in the past is I've walked through different issues where I can deal with it in pastoral care. And then I kind of hit a wall and I go, you know what, this is beyond my training and my understanding. And I want to know very well what my limitations are so that I don't do something damaging in somebody's life. And then I would refer to somebody else. And so what this actually is for us as a body of a church is to, to say, we actually don't want to just be referring out uh-huh. and then kind of managing it from a distance pastorally. We want to be able to have a structure within the body where people who are gifted in this way uh, can be, ra- you know, we can raise them up and train them and equip them to operate in this stuff and send people into those conversations that are maybe a little more intense. Uh-huh. And I think that's why I'm really excited you're here, Doug, is because <laughs> for me personally, as Brett alluded to as well, and... And he's selling himself a, a bit short, I think. Uh, you know, I know my limitations. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in a, a meeting just this week where I, I very much knew my limitations. And we'll, we'll meet for an hour and then, you know, um, we'll, we'll bring in some outside help uh, after this. And so I really appreciate you being here, Doug, to give some more uh, specific uh, application and help. But also, too, it's a beautiful body mm-hmm. metaphor, right, that Paul sure. employs, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm not an arm or, or toe or whatever it might be. Right. I'll let an arm or a toe be an arm or a toe. Yeah. Uh, in, in this situation. Uh, and so, yeah, deeply thankful for you, Doug. Before we ask a question of about who can be involved in this ministry, because I know that's where we want to go today, uh-huh. I would love to hear your own journey uh, into biblical counseling, why biblical counseling, uh, maybe what was going on in your own life, uh-huh. uh, whatever you'd like to share on that. Sure. End, Doug. Um, just before we get to that, um, just to come back to your comment earlier, uh, Brett, about, um, uh, you know, the, anytime a believer is answering a question of another believer or giving advice, they're giving counsel. Right. It's informal counseling. And what we're proposing to do is a formal counseling ministry. Mm-hmm. And really the difference comes in in that we're meeting weekly, um, there's homework, um, and it is a structured thing that um, that really most, you know, pastors, lead pastors, um, they can make time for a one-hour meeting a week or two weeks, but if you're going... Uh, for two or three months or longer, they, they just physically don't have the time to do that, and that's yeah. where the the, 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 uh, the formal biblical counseling ministry comes into play. Um, as for my own journey, um, it's uh, wow. Um, went to seminary. Went well, yeah. I was okay. So I grew up in a, in a non a non Christian home and was converted in my mid twenties. Um, uh, as a desire to sort of accelerate the learning curve, I decided to go to seminary and went there and. I had always had an interest in one-on-one communication as opposed to, um, you know, being in a, in a pulpit or something to that extent. And um, uh, so I wanted to take a counseling program, but the only thing they offered was counseling to be licensed by the state. And I didn't want that. So I ended up doing a theology degree. And when I finished my degree, uh, I interned at the church I was at for uh, for a while, did um, uh, teaching and, and preaching and hospital visits and home visits, basically did whatever they asked me to do. And I found that um, what I really enjoyed was the one-on-one contact with people, just being able to sit across from somebody, uh, that two-way communication, um, to, to listen to what it is they're, they're wrestling with, and then to help you know, walk alongside them and, and hopefully help give them good advice. Um, so at the time, I didn't pursue ministry because... Um, 
there wasn't really a lot of opportunities for counseling ministries that I was aware of, and I didn't feel called to being a preaching uh, pastor. Um, and so that's, you know, something like 15, 20 years ago. Um, and about five years ago, six years ago, I this desire to, to do full-time ministry really just ignited in me again. And it started with just a small group that I was leading, and uh, I decided to take it a little more seriously and pursue certification as a biblical counselor. Um, I, I walked through that. It takes a couple of years. Um, became certified with an organization called ACBC, uh, which is, I think, the largest certifying agency in the world. Um, simply stands for Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, ACBC. So ACBC, not ACDC? That's right. <laughs> Quick 90s reference for, yes, for, for my friends. Who's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Continue. All right. So um, following that, um, part of the process there is supervised counseling. And so I was able to do that here at the church, and that was just a, a blessing for me. And um, I think, you know, there's, there's, with Brett in particular, there's always been a desire to have a counseling ministry. And so last summer we put a proposal together to the elders and they decided, yeah, let's go ahead with this. And so we're just launching it now, and I'm thrilled and excited to be the guy that gets to do it. Well, and I think for, for me, recognizing... I have a, a reasonably good picture of who I am and who I'm not. And it, it was true of me very early on that I'm not... And you, you can say whatever you want to say about me being too hard on myself here. I'm not a great counselor. But part of it is my, my skill set is best used elsewhere. I can do pastoral care. It's not sure. like I'm not pastoral or not caring. I can do that. It's just that when it gets into the more acute and, and thing, uh, and, and not even acute, but areas where it just is going to take some labor and some uh-huh. time, uh-huh. My, my time is best spent equipping leaders. Uh-huh. My time is best spent working with our staff team, our elders, oversight, future, vision, pushing things forward, preaching, teaching, developing preachers, working in that kind of way. That, that's my time is best spent doing that. I can do the other things, but not that well. Meanwhile, here's you going, I don't want to preach. I don't want to teach. I don't want to be the person up front doing all those things. I want to be one-on-one with people. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, like uh-huh. Jake was saying earlier, is you have these gifts within the body. And so, yeah, when we planted Christ City, I had a couple of examples that I was paying attention to, and both of them were in the States. I didn't know of anything happening like this in Canada, uh, where there was a biblical counseling ministry within a local church. So it wasn't parachurch. It was uh-huh. actually formed and based out of a local church. Uh, living in Vancouver, I've I've been here nine years now, and and looking around the city, going there isn't an expression of this, and mm-hmm. I wanted to see something like this happen in our city, and I actually think it'll go beyond our church, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Lord willing to to reach in and impact in other ministries around the city, because I think it's a massive need. But I always had it on my radar, and so anytime someone would bring it up, I'd certainly say like this is something I'm looking at, and then mm-hmm. I found out. When you know, shortly after I met Doug, found out he was working on his certification or accreditation with uh-huh. ACBC. I thought, okay, here we go. Now let's have a conversation around this. It's not only the desire that we have to do it. Now there's actually people who are already part of the body of Christ City, who understand our church, our DNA, our theological grid, our, our values, and the impulses that we have as a church. And um, it's a homegrown type thing uh-huh. in, instead of something where we're resourcing or connecting with those who have been resourced outside of the church. Uh-huh. So that was the great excitement that I had in the conversation with you. And uh, and certainly with some of the others who have been going through the training around here as well. Uh-huh. Uh, just looking at what might be able to happen. And then meanwhile, Jake and I are having the same kind of conversation because he's actually quite passionate about this. Not in the sense where you're jumping into any training um, in, in a formal way, I don't think. 
No. No, good. Okay. But, but in a sense that we value this. Yeah. And it's always been something that we valued. So um, when you were going through all of the training, Doug, and you know, you've got a, a, a master's degree in theology, mm-hmm. and then you went into the marketplace, worked in business for a mm-hmm. number of years, and then since this called a vocational ministry, uh, so you were already doing this as a guy who had another job. Mm-hmm. You were already leaning into this. You did all your training while you were studying or while you were working your other job. Mm-hmm. And then you said, you know, I think God's actually calling me full time into this. And so we started to make a, like you said, a proposal to, to make this work. In those years that led up to it, and then when you were doing your studies, uh, leaning into that, what were the things about this particular form of biblical counseling that were really compelling to you? Like not just one-on-one discipleship where you sit down to somebody and you care for them. Because, you know, a lot of us do that. And, and I know uh-huh. our community group leaders are brilliant and people who are having conversations on a regular basis about it. But what about ACBC's certification and training was compelling to you personally? Yeah, it's, I think what I liked about it most was um, it basically has um, three components to it. Um, there is a, a, a sort of a classroom component where you're, you're being taught the, the essential principles of, of counseling and theology and, and this kind of stuff. You're, you're, there's um, you know, an observation component, there's a reading component. So that's the sort of the classroom component. And then it transitions into uh, an examination phase, which is where um, you spent a lot of the time, um, I think it took me about nine months to do it, uh, where you write uh, a concert, a comprehensive um, answers to a myriad of questions. And that's where you're putting what you've learned on paper. Mm. And then the third element is the training aspect, the supervised counseling aspect, which is now where you put what you've learned into practice. And um, some of the other uh, you know, options out there for um, you know, for, for studying biblical counseling, um, they do a great job, like Christian Counseling Education Foundation, do a great yeah. job of teaching. But that's the limit of that, of that program. Okay. There's no other component to it. Whereas ACBC just yeah. provides the opportunity for you to go through supervised counseling. And as you're going through that supervised counseling, you're doing it with a, a fellow of the institute, you know, if they feel you're not ready yet, they'll, they'll say, you know, yes, you've done your allotted hours, but we don't feel you're ready yet, right. and we, we want you to keep going. So it, it's, that, it's that guidance that really kind of takes it from just one component to the, the three components, and that's what I found quite useful. And I was able to, again, I was able to do my supervised counseling here at the church, which had the added benefit of allowing the elders and others around to see some of the fruit of that work. Yeah, and, and I want to be clear too, the, the supervision aspect of your supervised counseling was not simply us as pastors overseeing your counseling. You had accredited, trained fellows yep. from ACBC, yep. ACBC fellows who then looked at your reports yep. and the audio from your counseling times yep. and things. So these are people who are outside of our ministry. Mm-hmm who are well-trained and, and experts in this field saying, yes, we are very confident that mm-hmm. this man, Doug, has the skills and the heart and the call to go ahead and do this uh, in a vocational way. And that's what gives us the confidence, right. too, is it's not like, you know, I think you're great. Jake thinks you're great. And we go, hey, Doug's great. Should Doug do this at Christ City? And we look <laughs> at him and go, well, he knows more about it than I do. Yeah, yeah th- there's the qualification. Okay, so he knows more about it than anybody else around here. Cool. Let's set him free and see if... Counseling's not something you do that with. No. You know, you can do that in different areas of ministry where you kind of learn on the job yeah. and you grow into the role. Yeah. And we're all doing that all the sure. time. But this is something where people from the outside who know what they're looking for and they know the 
the, the base standard and then what excellence looks like are uh-huh. saying, yeah, we've come alongside and the supervised counseling really gives us the confidence then and that affirmation to step into this in a ministerial kind of role. And yeah. especially too, because you're working with people, Doug, in their most like vulnerable Absolutely. place, yeah. right? Where they're coming to you and pouring out their hearts mm-hmm. and, and all that they're struggling with. And sure. so we want to be sure, especially as shepherds and elders and, and overseers, that we are being so gentle and so mm-hmm. um, and wise mm-hmm. and thoughtful and all these things. W- one of the questions, Doug, that we're kind of just assuming in all this is that we need biblical counseling. W- why do we need biblical mm. counseling? And now some people listening right now might be like, "Well, have you been outside lately?" <laughs> like people yeah. are people are are are, are struggling. Mm-hmm. But but from your perspective, Doug, what what is like the why underneath mm-hmm. biblical counseling for you? Um, I mean, I- again, in simple terms, uh, we need it because. We are fallen individuals who live in a fallen world where sin, both our own and the sins of others, have caused us to stumble and to suffer. And to address this situation takes time. And that's what we were alluding to earlier, um, that the typical pastor you know, can't afford uh, three, four, six months of weekly meetings with somebody. Um, it takes time. It takes time for, uh, for you to see yourself as God sees you. Uh, it takes time for you to see your situation as God sees it. Uh, and it takes time for you to humble yourself under the authority of the Lordship of Christ. Um, it takes time to believe and submit to the Word of God and to follow the gospel mm-hmm. more fully each day. Um, you know, the time it takes to walk through an issue uh, with a counselee who may have been struggling with it for years mm-hmm. is just far more than the typical pastor can commit to right. on a weekly basis. Right. And that's what underscores the need to have a counseling ministry. Um, yeah, we, just, we, we need people here that can do that um, face-to-face, one-on-one care and counsel um, that just happens systematically mm-hmm. and, you know, week after week and sometimes month after month. When you're talking about the timeline on this, because we've referenced it a couple times, there's just, just not simply enough hours in the day uh, with the amount of people who worship with us in our, our three churches for like four or five of the pastors to really care for everybody. Sure. And we've always known that, which is why we've then built structures of discipleship where we equip others to lead. Uh And so we have elders and deacons. We have community group leaders. We've got service team leaders who organize all the volunteers that go on around here. So there's there's hundreds and hundreds of people involved in the life of our three churches uh, from Sunday to Sunday and then midweek from, you know, Monday to Saturday as well. Hundreds of people are involved in that way, and p- different people are equipped in different roles. Uh-huh. And it, but you keep talking about the timeline on this. What is the average kind of or, or optimal, if you could say it that huh. way, when you look at it across the board and go, we're going to spend at least X amount of weeks yeah. meeting with somebody in an intentionally focused way, and then there's going to be homework and check-ins and yeah. you know communication. Part of the time commitment is is just that doing doing homework, um, and I'm talking from the counselor's point of view. Um, you know, one of the things that makes biblical counseling uh, successful is we are relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to work in the hearts and minds mm-hmm. of our counselees, and to do that, you know, we meet maybe an hour a week or an hour and a half a week. We want the counseling process to continue on through the week, so we assign homework, and that homework might be you know, a half hour a day. So you're looking at three to four hours a week, potentially. Um, But it's as you're spending that time in the Word of God and in prayer that the Holy Spirit meets you and ministers to you, and that's what makes it successful. Um, Now, to prepare the homework also takes a fair bit of time, especially if you're encountering a subject that you're not familiar with. Um, And again, that's where it comes into um, 
uh, the time frame. Um, to, to sort of directly answer your question, um, I mean, there really is no set uh, time frame. Um, typically what we've found is uh, most counseling cases will resolve themselves in that sort of 12 to 16 week time frame. Um, that typically seems to be uh, what happens. Um, you know, there's, there's a data gathering session that happens in the first, the first few weeks you meet. They're sort of looking at the problem, uncovering the problem, and starting to wrestle with the problem. And then at that sort of 10 to 12 week mark, you, you often see the light come on. You know, the counselee comes in and there's a big smile on their face and, you know, the Holy Spirit's met them and is going to work in their heart. And you, you see it and you rejoice in that moment. Um, and then there's, you know, there's typically, you know, sessions that follow to, yeah. to make sure that we've dealt with the issue su sufficiently. Um, and often, you know, more often than not, there's more than one issue at play. Sure there is. So, <laughs> well, there is in my life. How's that sound? I only have one issue you that only, I can yeah. think of. Only one. I'm sure my wife could think of other issues. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'm only aware of one. Our, our desks are like 15 feet apart. Yeah, you know, I know a lot of issues. I could find, I could find more than one. Yeah. No, sure. but that's true. Like, there's a, it's often there's compounded issues sure. and pain and brokenness and you know, in my own experience going through some stuff uh, with with a counselor, you, you kind of come in and you go, here's the, now what I would look at is like, here's the symptom. This is the thing right. on the surface that yeah. I'm like, let's fix this in me. Right. Because I'm not patient. So I go, fix fix me yeah. and fix this thing. Yeah. And he smiles and goes, okay. And then, yeah, six weeks later, you're not talking about that thing anymore. No. You're talking about the thing that's three layers deeper. That's exactly right. And you go, wow, I didn't actually know this sure. was deep down here. And then, you know, there's a temptation at that point to go, there cannot be anything deeper than this and I'm going to quit now because I feel really good and we've exposed four different layers of things that I thought were there plus the thing that I actually came in talking about and I think that's the cool part of what you're doing Doug where you're going we're actually not going to stop till we hit bedrock yeah like we're going to go and not that you're just digging and prying no. into people's lives but you're saying no no there's a foundational issue here exactly most often people come in with what they call a presentation problem um, maybe it's anger maybe it's anxiety whatever it happens to be but those are or 99 times out of 100, those are just manifestations of the deeper problem. Um, most people are smart enough that if they had identified the problem, they would have been able to seek a cure to that problem. What they're not seeing is what the source of right. that problem is. So uh, as I like to say, we peel the onion and we keep peeling the onion until we get to the core. And it's, it's what's undergirding that issue um, that when we wrestle with that, you know, the manifestations tend to go away. Um, a typical example might be, um, you know, somebody that's, that's wrestling with anxiety. Um, you know, when you peel the onion on that, um, you're really talking about, um, you know, belief and trust in not only a sovereign God, but a good God. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. You know, you're, you're, you're having, uh, you're worrying about something that's going to happen in the future. And so you're not trusting and relying on a sovereign God. I mean, that's just one example. Yeah. There's other examples of, you know, anger is an issue. And um, I had one fellow come in and he, and he was wrestling with anger, particularly in the context of relationships. And he, he, he just didn't know where it was coming from. And uh, so we met and we talked and again, we peeled the onion and, uh, you know, we found that there's, there's an issue of bitterness mm -hmm. that he hadn't dealt with. Uh, something that had happened to him early in, in his life that he wasn't, it was sinned against. This wasn't something that that he had brought on himself and, but he hadn't, he hadn't dealt with it, particularly after he became a believer. And, um, you know, we focused on that. And once we focused on that, you know, the, the issue of anger in relationships didn't completely disappear, but now it wasn't coming to him and he didn't know where it was coming from. 
now he'd recognize the, the links and uh, was able to deal with it and, and, and work on it. And it's that kind of thing. It's you peel the onion and you get down to the core of what the issue is. Yeah, I, I love that, Doug. And I think one of the questions that kind of naturally comes out of that is as you're peeling the onion, because we are physiological and spiritual creatures, yep. uh, how do you as a counselor discern, you know, what's going on physiologically in a person that's sort of outside of your purview, sure. if you will, and, and what is sort of inside your purview as a biblical counselor? How, how do you discern right. and, and sort of parse those two things? Um, very difficult. Yeah. Um, because, uh, yeah, we are, you know, we are body and spirit. Yeah. And they work together, and one can affect the other. Um, so we also recognize that as biblical counselors, we're not medically trained. So we don't give medical advice. Um, one of the first things that I often recommend uh, to a counselee, depending on the issue they're dealing with, but if it has anything to do with, um, you know, maybe a, a, a de- depression or a mental issue that they're dealing with, um, have them go and get a physical with their family doctor. And that'll help sort of rule out things or possibly rule in things. Um, so we don't, we don't clash with the medical community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know there's been abuses in the past where people would say, well, you know, you don't need to take medications, you just need to pray. Right. And that is a terrible, terrible abuse right. of what we know and what is true. Yeah. Um, we're not medically trained. We yeah. don't give medical advice. Um, if, if somebody is taking medications for relief of pain or some other chronic condition, you know, we do not, you know, we don't go there and say, you know, you don't need to do that. I mean, again, I can use my own self as an example. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm borderline diabetic, and so I take medication for that. Right. And I'm not going to stop. It would be foolish. Right. You know, if my blood tests that I get tested regularly, if they if they dropped back into a normal range, well, then I would stop, but not until then. Um, now, the one, the one maybe exception to that is if somebody is taking a medication for uh, a situational circumstance, like for example, anxiety, let's say your job, part of your job has, um, a public speaking component to it and it causes you anxiety. Hmm. And so never, a lot of, never thought about yeah. that before. <laughs> so a lot of people might have uh, a medication to take to help them deal with the anxiety. Um, that's a situation where if they're taking it again, situationally, we might speak into that. You know, we might say, Hey, you know, if, if we can, we can discuss this, we can talk about this, you know, there's, there's potentially the opportunity for you to not need to take that medication. Right. Um, but that's a rare situation and that's one that they're going to determine themselves. It's not something we're going to push on them, but we always want to say, you know, part, part of our intake procedures is to ask, you know, what medications you're on and have you done a physical recently? Um, and the reason for that is just to make ourselves aware of what are the side effects of these various medications they're taking mm-hmm. and make sure that the counselee is aware of the side effects of the medications they're taking because they might be related to some of the issues that they're wrestling with and they yeah. came for counseling for. And I mean, take it out of the world of medication for a second. I mean, I'm sure it comes up where somebody is masking some problem or issue they're facing with things like alcohol sure. or, or, or some sort of substance abuse too. So even as we're moved from that conversation altogether, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure that those situations would arise as well too. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at least they have my own pastoral counseling and ministry as well. Yeah. yeah. I think the, the encouraging bit on this, Doug, is, yeah, there have been abuses sure. in this area. And I've certainly seen some of those mm-hmm. um, where you hear things said like, if you had enough faith, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be sick with this. Or And, you know, there's sickness where it's like, yeah, I have I have a liver condition. And people go, oh, okay, no problem. And then you say, um, I actually am, am struggling in a, in a really deep way with 
you know, harmful thoughts, sure. um, self-harm or, or whatever it would lead to. And then the other person just goes, why? Just, why don't you just spend some time in prayer? Uh-huh. And you're like, okay, first of all, we love prayer. Uh-huh. That's great. Teaching on it this weekend. Yeah, exactly. Preaching the preaching next couple of weeks on prayer. But also, not really a helpful comment. Uh, Christians, like you said, are a, a whole being. There's a physiological component to who we are. We sure. want to pay attention to that. And, and like you said, we're not medically trained. Uh, in addition to that, though, I think there are times where we live in a pretty medicated society. Uh-huh. And so our first response is, well, there's got to be a pill for that. Uh-huh. And uh, maybe there's actually reasons that we should be on those. Maybe there aren't. But you're not coming along saying to somebody who's been on you know, antipsychotics for the last 20 years uh-huh. because they have a, a diagnosed mental illness that needs to be treated with antipsychotic medication. Uh-huh. You're not coming along to them and going like, oh, well, cool. Well, we're on our third week of biblical counseling. You probably stop taking those now, <laughs> right? You're saying, no, no, go back and talk to your psychiatrist about this, that your protocol from them is not the same as the protocol I'm giving you. Yeah. The homework you're giving is not the same as the homework that psychiatrist is giving. Yeah. And, um, and so there's a certain element of we want to stay in our lane. Sure. While at the same time acknowledging that we do believe some of these foundational issues come down to our relationship with God. Uh-huh. And so there's a balance in this. Uh-huh. And I've liked the way you've approached some of this and some of the articles that you've certainly sent to our elders to read and things that we've engaged with in, in different conversations where there's a nuance and a balance to this where it's not just kind of a sledgehammer approach to where every problem is a nail uh-huh. and we have one tool and it's just hammering away on uh-huh. it. Like There's some nuance in this conversation uh-huh. and the recognition that some of this stuff's not going to go away. Like Some and- of these things are just not... Certainly, and the recognition that we don't necessarily have all the answers, and we don't understand everything. I mean, when you when you're dealing with crazy thoughts in the modern world, eh? (laughs) we don't understand everything. (laughs) That's true. But if you're looking at an issue like depression, I mean, depression can easily have both a spiritual and a physical component to it. And again, you know, we don't we don't play in the physical in the medical sandbox. You know, we're so we're dealing with a spiritual aspect of of what you may be wrestling with um, in the area of depression. Um, and so if it does have both components, you know, we're only going to be able to help them on the spiritual component, but they still, they still may wrestle, uh, with the physical component. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's just the reality of it. Yeah. I mean, I think for me in my own story, going back to this, well, within the first calendar year or within the first 12 months of planting Christ city, I ended up racked with anxiety. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, by God's grace, got into a good relationship with the counselor, moved through some of that stuff and, and all. But at the same time, part of the depression and anxiety was coming from the fact that my adrenal system was shutting down. Uh-huh. And so I ended up with a good doctor who understood that part of my physiology, I ended up with a good counselor who understood that part of my soul uh-huh. and understood and then got with a good kind of spiritual father who understood that probably what I needed was somebody to put their arm around me and pray with me uh-huh. and encourage me in uh-huh. some things. And all of a sudden it was like everything started to, to kind of get better. And uh-huh. so there was the medical component to healing that part of my body that I broke, which I broke because I was really a broken person. Uh-huh. And so my body started to shut down as well. But that manifested in, in symptoms that people would say, well, here, take a pill, yeah, which is fine and helpful, but also here's some issues maybe we can deal with under the surface. There's a little more going on under the hood than you Uh think there is. And so I've been really open about this and talked about this a number Uh of times within the body of Christ city, just in terms of depression and anxiety and how I moved through that um, with the care and help of a big community of people 
who kind of carried me through it. And um, just understanding that God provided the right people at the right time for me to see some health in that area. And praise God, there is health in that area. Sure. But I also pay attention to my body now like mm. I didn't used to. Right. When you burn yourself out, your body will respond in ways that are not healthy. Absolutely. And so then the, the question is, one layer deeper, why did you burn yourself out? Mm. Okay, interesting. I really want the approval of people. Uh-huh. Okay. Sure, man. Why do you want the approval of people? And you know, like, all of a sudden yeah, we're down, exactly. right? we're down a few layers yeah. and, and the, and the onions being peeled. And all that I was looking at was like, okay, I guess my body's shutting down. Let's fix this. Right. Um, it doesn't work that way. So when you're at the gym getting absolutely jacked, Brett, that's yeah. actually you medicating. That's right. Helping yourself out. So, all right. So yeah, yeah, that's, I'm at the gym. It, it, thanks for the jokey intro to that. <laughs> I, but I do, I, I work out. Uh, I do 30 minutes of cardio minimum six days a week. And that's a physiological part of the depression that I've struggled Mm -hmm. with. I do 30 minutes of cardio per day, uh, aggressive, you know, like get sweat running off your body, kind of aggressive cardio. But that's, that's part of the protocol in my life of dealing with depression. Yeah. I mean, even just thinking about in, in my, in my own life, you know, when I've struggled with sort of low seasons, I wouldn't necessarily say depression, uh, but one of the things that, like, you know, wasn't, like, necessarily a devotional time issue, but, like, hey, like, may- maybe stop drinking alcohol, right. which is a depressant, right, mm-hmm. like, I- in your life, uh, and-, and see that it-, it works, like, both ways, and the things work together. Absolutely. Right. Three hours of binge-watching Netflix <laughs> while you eat candy and drink beer, and you're going, I'm sad. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Not no. that that's you. It's just a character. No, it's just a that, hypothetical yeah, yeah, guy that we, we know about. Neither yeah. of us would really understand no. that. But no. I just am saying, no. And, and I mean, yeah, there's lots of things we can go into with that. Yeah. But the, the beautiful part of it is, is I, I, there's an underdeveloped part of the ministry of Christ City that, uh, and one, one guy I listened to talk about this, he called it like the air war in terms of preaching. And like, we're preaching in this way where we're teaching people from the, that level. But then on the ground, there's also a battle going on one-on-one. And it's a little bit deeper and it's a little more hidden. And if you can integrate uh, biblical counseling into that area where people are battling through things in their life, uh-huh. there's preaching on a Sunday and there's worship uh-huh. and, and there's like a, a large part of the ministry in that way. And then at the same time, it's being matched with the same theological sure. teaching on a one-on-one kind of tailored way sure. where people are walking through this stuff. And then I just get excited about it because I think of what, what would it look like in 10 years from now? Yeah if we build into this area of the church. And that's what excites me. Yeah. Well, you know, preaching, as we like to talk, preaching is the public proclamation of the Word of God. And it's authoritative because the Word of God's authoritative. Um, you know, biblical counseling is just the private proclamation of the Word of God. And again, it's authoritative because it has, it's reusing the, the authoritative Word of God. Doug, if you can talk a bit about, as Brett alluded to, that ground war. And I know you have a, a plan in place. You have an idea of how you want to see this ministry rolled out and implemented uh, at Christ City. And I know it involves more people than just you. For sure. So yeah. not all of Christ City is going to be having one-on-one meetings with Doug Crystal. Is that correct? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Doug's got a lineup. He's got 16 yeah. weeks penciled right. in for every, every need person. Sleep, Doug. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what you need exactly. that for. What, what, what are you thinking around sort of rolling out sort of a... a yeah, how are we doing this? Yeah, oh. church-wide ministry here. Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly there's two components to, to what my job is. Um, there is the counseling component, which I absolutely love and I'm, I'm looking forward to doing. But one person can't obviously deal with uh, the needs of, uh, of a congreg- you know, citywide congregation of, what, 600 people. Um, so the vision in the ministry is to, to teach, train, and equip non-vocational uh, counselors to meet the needs of the church body. Um, so they would be there for that one-on-one church ministry. Um, so people listening right now... Yeah could be counselors in this ministry? 
any believer who really has a solid understanding of their Bible, um, who has a soft heart for those who are suffering, uh, who has the humility to see that we're all sinners in need of grace and at times correction, yeah, they can be a biblical counselor. Um, we, we, we do have a plan to provide a, a flexible but extensive training program um, that is modeled along the lines of the ACBC certification process. And, you know, we'd love to see more people get certified, um, but it's not an absolute necessity. Uh, we're going we're gonna to customize it and tailor it for, for our church needs. Um, but in, in generally speaking, you know, we're going to be looking uh, for people who feel called to this type of ministry, who, you know, we see as gifted in this type of ministry, um, to work with us. Uh, there'll be probably, you know, a, a year-long training program, and following that, we'll walk into a, a supervised training uh, session that would probably take another year, six months to a year. And at that point um, is when we would see them being ready to maybe counsel on their own. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's an extensive, it's an extensive um, process. But at the same time, uh, what we're not saying is you don't need to have uh, a seminary degree, a master's right. degree, and this or that. This is, this is one believer counseling another believer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, this is for the, this is for the, retired person sure. looking at what they're going to do next. This is for the, the person who, uh, you know, teaches elementary school full yep. time. This is for the accountant. This is for the construction worker. Yeah. This if is you, for the truck driver. Sure. If you have a passion for this type of ministry and this is how you want to serve in yeah. the local church, this is what, uh, I, I look at it like this for all of the ministries across the city, you know, in the three churches that we have now and Lord willing, as we continue to plant more, uh, that, you know, we're trying to find people who are uniquely gifted in these different ministry roles and then equip them and release them yes. into that. Yes. And so I think about it like the way that Allison, who gives oversight to the worship ministry in South Vancouver, uh, you know, she's just spent the last year, she's been on staff now part-time for a year, but her last year has been spent investing in a few people that she identified as having the gifts and tools to be worship leaders. So it's not just her doing the worship leading, it's her actually equipping others sure. to do it, which is an Ephesians 4 model of ministry yep. that we function with around here, where we want to train and equip the body of Christ uh, to go out and do the ministry God has called them to do. And so we believe that Jesus, as he ascended, gave gifts to the church, uh -huh. the apostle, prophet, evangelist, and shepherd teacher uh -huh. for the perfecting of the saints for works of ministry. That's yep. what the Bible, some a loose paraphrase. Yes. <laughs> but equipping others to do this exactly. and it's releasing those people in. And so you're, like you said, part of your role is to come alongside all of those who feel like they may be called to do this uh -huh. and then patiently bring them along uh -huh. and resourcing them. And some people will run at a faster pace sure. through the training because yep. they have maybe more time, exactly. more margin yep. or because they have a higher aptitude for it either way. And they're going to give themselves to that time and training at a, a quicker rate. Others will be a little bit slower but for anybody who wants to come and look at this, there's something available and at least a conversation can be had around what it might mean for them to join this ministry. Absolutely. Yep. We will have some, some specific um, information meetings coming up down the road when we're a little more uh, clear on all yeah. our policies and procedures and guidelines and, yeah. and um, for people to respond to. Um, and again, I, I mean, I'm certainly not going to be the only one operating in this ministry. I mean, we already have a few guys yes. who are being trained and uh, they're going to be serving in the ministry as well. And yeah, we're certainly certainly hoping more men and women come forward and yes. we'd like to have... That, that's where the ministry really becomes fruitful. Um, when we have 
um, maybe a dozen or two dozen counselors that can all handle a few cases at a time or right. even a few cases a year. Yeah. Um, then, you know, the, the, the ministry scales up and we can be counseling maybe having 100 cases a year or more. It's just multiplied effectiveness. I exactly. just, it's such a beautiful structure and a model, and it's, uh, it's an economically feasible model for a church when we look at this in this way, mm-hmm. but it's also the body of Christ doing ministry within the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Like It's actually equipping the church to be the church. Exactly. Oh, man, I get so excited about this. Mm. Love it. Thanks so much, Doug. Uh, anything else that you want to add there, Brett? I would just add maybe one thing. Let's ask one thing. Who who would be the person who says, um, man, I've got some stuff going on in my life. Uh-huh. Good question. Right? I've got some stuff happening in my heart. Should I be the, you know, should I ask if I can be counseled? Sure. And what does that mean? And maybe just walk us through a little bit of like, because I know you mentioned a couple times intake forms and uh-huh. things like that. Uh-huh. It sounds very official uh-huh. uh, because it is a formal counseling. Sure. But maybe just walk us through the, the person that you're looking for and how you think you might come alongside them. So, I mean, really what we're looking to determine when somebody comes forward and suggests, you know, asking for counseling is, um, is the issue they're wrestling with does it rise to the level of needing formal counseling? Right. Or is this just someone that, you know, that needs some time of discipleship with their community group leader or, or something else? Mm-hmm. Um, typically, if it's an issue they've been wrestling with for a long time and, and they haven't been able to, to, to figure it out, that's probably indica- you know, indicative that they need to sit down with somebody who can see their life and, and, and listen to their story from a different perspective sure. and help them uncover it. I mean... Biblical counseling um, is for believers. I mean, that's kind of the first thing we do when, when somebody's, uh, yeah, there is an intake form that we have them fill out that kind of gives us the background and the issue and, and some questions. And, you know, we say it's for believers because it's really only effective for believers. And it's only effective for, for believers because we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit for success. Um, it's the Holy Spirit that has the power to change hearts and minds. And so... Um, if somebody comes forward and they're, um, you know, they're not a believer, um, it, it doesn't make sense for us to be, you know, proclaiming the word of God to them because it's foolishness to them. Um, so we do what we call pre-counseling, which is essentially evangelism. Um, but that's, that's for a non-believer. I I would say for anyone who, who feels like they've been struggling with something for a long time and, and can't get to the, to the source of it. Yeah, come forward, ask, and you know we we operate um, with a humility of recognizing that you know we all struggle, we all have problems. Right. You know we live in a fallen world, um, and sometimes we suffer because of our own sin. Sometimes we suffer because of other people's sins, and so there's no there's no judgment. Um, you know we we're there. Um, just because we feel the, the compassion um, to help someone get unstuck wherever yeah. they're stuck, That's great. you know. And um, I, I, I've been asked before, what's the difference between discipleship and counseling? And sort of an analogy I've used to kind of help differentiate the two is discipleship, if you kind of think of it this way, is like, uh, you know, you take your car into the shop for a tune-up. You know, it's preventative maintenance, you know, spark plugs, oil, whatever it is. You, you do it to keep it running well, and that's more like discipleship. Whereas when something's wrong with a car, you can hear that knock or it's not running right. You know something's wrong, but you don't know what it is. You bring it into the shop for, for servicing and for, you know, to restore it back to its, its operating, uh, you know, ideally operating um, 
conditions. Conditions. That's yeah. what I'm searching yeah, for. Sure. So that's and that's more like biblical counseling. It's yeah. that time of focused restorative discipleship. And I think Doug, the stuff that I've already seen in terms of fruit and the mm. people that you've been meeting with, uh, you know, obviously we haven't told anyone that you've mm. been around uh, doing that because it was a, a it was intended to be a slow rollout mm. and a, kind of a narrow focus in that season. And then, but the the people that I know who you've met with yeah. and the fruit in their lives is just so clearly evident that God is using this as a tool for, like you said, that restorative work uh-huh. in people's lives and bringing the counsel of Scripture to bear on them because the Scriptures are authoritative. And the people who are gifted and trained and called to do this, uh, I get very, very excited about the health uh-huh. of the body of Christ because I think healthy things grow. Sure. And when the church is healthy, it's attractive to yeah, people. Absolutely. And the people around us in this city who don't know Jesus start to look at it and go, there's something going on over right. there that's beyond just a bunch of people who happen to believe the same thing, but there's a, a generosity and a love and a care and a compassion and a health among that community that then is attractive as we shine as light in the world. So I want to thank you, Doug, for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to thank you for the work that you've put in already and the work that you are putting in uh, to serve all three of our neighborhood churches and then Lord willing beyond. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Doug. Thank you. Thank you.